it's difficult to know where to start after the things we've been seeing and the things that we've been praying about this morning, isn't it? How does the refugee crisis and this passage come together? And the answer is that it's the issue of sin. And sin being broken by God. In the passage, lots of people are clearly saying things against the Lord. And there's misinformation circulating about what he is doing and in what power. And the same is probably being said of churches, even today. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? Is it a political thing? No. It's a movement of our heart. We're being called to action, to respond. Prior to his betrayal and abyss, Jesus' ministry can be thought of as having three dimensions. One, there's the teaching that he does. The standing or sitting, sharing a meal with people, teaching in a group, just saying what the Lord's will is, what the kingdom will be, how they were called to respond. And then we have his direct response, his healing of people with an illness or an infirmity, a a disability that's stopping them being all that they can be. And then there's that third one. Sometimes bundled in straight with the healings but perhaps more appropriately, a separate subject, the driving out of evil spirits. Perhaps this is the most controversial, and I would say it's probably certainly what's got these Jewish leaders in a flutter. The topic under debate by those who are witnesses is by what authority he thinks he's doing this. He's come into this place and he's doing what would more normally be done by the Jewish authorities. And the Pharisees are claiming that this is in the name of the devil. I'm not so sure that the public are concerned. They see it more as a spectator sport. They want to just come along. They don't jump on the bandwagon, but they spectate. They watch. And they crowd around to such an extent as they want to hear and see more of Jesus doing signs that even for him taking shelter in a house is no protection at all. A place of safety 
is no longer providing that safety. Just as in many places in Jordan, the refugee camps are no longer providing a place of safety. And the cities in Jordan are no longer able to have the aid that was once there. And so people flee. And Jesus cannot eat. Everybody's pressing around him. Not even a few minutes to take a small mouthful. And this large crowd is there at an early time in his ministry. Immediately prior to this passage, the 12 disciples are set apart from the larger group that have been following. We're still at a time when we see the formation of the ministry that happens. But already the crowds are forming and following. Perhaps it is because John the Baptist has prepared the way so well with his call to repent. Or perhaps it's just that anything can provide entertainment and people will flock around. Perhaps also it being part of the early ministry is that we see that the family of Jesus, his mother and brothers, feel that they must come to his rescue. They must come to rescue the one that has come to rescue the whole earth. Even their eyes are still veiled to the nature of Jesus and what must happen. As we have no nativity in Mark, this is the first time in the gospel that we really hear of the family. There's not an angel giving the command, do not be afraid. There's not the shepherds giving things that Mary can ponder in her heart. There's not the magi with their precious gifts. Instead, there is the news to Mary that her dear son, age about 30, is moving from village to village, saying strange things, causing a scene, possibly getting in trouble with the authorities. He is out of his mind. Is that the response of the parent? Or is it maybe what's being said to the mother? Either way, as a family, they're troubled. And they're not clear yet. They don't have a concept of who Jesus is. And they don't see what he is doing. The Pharisees have a picture, only their picture's wrong. They don't immediately see him as a man who is mad, 
but as a man who is possessed by the devil. They can see great spiritual things are happening. It's not that it's a madman saying something and that's just causing the scene. The man is saying something and healings are taking place. The man is saying something and spirits are being driven out. They see the spiritual side. But because it doesn't fit their understanding of who the Messiah is or how he will come, how he will be the victor, the one that triumphs, they do not see the power of God. Yet what they say, that this is the power of the evil one, makes no sense. Why would the evil one heal a hand that could not be used? Why would the evil one be making people whole? Why would the evil one be driving out demonic spirits? If Satan opposes sin, Satan's power in the world would collapse. That's the last thing the evil one would want. There is great spiritual power here. It is great power bringing healing. But it's not the spiritual power of the evil one. Although the devil is very powerful, compared to Christ, he is weak. And here we come to the parable of the strong man. No one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Jesus is thinking of the devil as being a strong man. But the one who ties up a strong man is even stronger. He's the strongest man. And the strongest one can come and fight against the evil one. He can plunder the strong man's house. He can throw out whatever he wants. And so Jesus challenges the men of the law and also us to think. Is it the one who does evil and brings suffering? Or is it the one who brings wholeness? That is the one who has given him the ability to do this. The earth has become the home of the devil. He plays with us. But it is Jesus that can break into the world because he is stronger. Now that's an unusual way to speak to the authorities, isn't it? To sort of suggest that you are the burglar that's breaking in. That's just as likely to end you in trouble. But it's not a unique occurrence. 
Remember, Jesus also says that he will return like a thief in the night when the world is least expecting it. He uses this concept that he will break in. He will break in and change things. Where we have been wrong in our lives, where there is sin that has taken hold, the power of Jesus can break in and can come against it. It can bind the evil one up and bring us our release. Where we have hatred or jealousy, lust or idolatry, greed or self-ambition, Jesus can take that sinfulness, bind it, and make us whole. He says, all sin, whatever we have done, can be forgiven. Whatever hatred or impure thought, the stain that marks our life, might be washed clean. There is, however, an exception. That of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. For if you do not accept that the healing and forgiveness, that the source of power that can change lives comes from God, then it's impossible to receive forgiveness. If you do not accept that God can change you, then you will not be changed. The informed and educated religious leaders have seen the presence of the Holy Spirit in Jesus and yet declare it to be evil. It's unclear whether Jesus is saying they will not be forgiven for this or whether he is warning them that they are very close to the line and need to turn around. Either way, we know that he conquers sin and will come unexpectedly to bring release to the whole of creation. And that the suffering we see in the world will come to an end. All suffering will end. And we've just sung about that final day when out of the heavens he comes. But in that same verse, we sang about our great commission being complete. A sense of we actually have to be doing something now. We are called to go forth and to share God's love. He doesn't expect us to simply sit back and wait for the return. He had called the disciples that they would do his work, 
and he enrolls the whole church to be his body in the world, speaking out against injustice, meeting the needs of individuals in distress, and praying that the kingdom may be seen triumphing over evil. In what we have seen of the refugee crisis, the evil perpetrated, the misery suffered, we the church must stand forward. We must declare God's love and power to change things. Whatever our wealth or our politics, whatever we might think of the stretching of resources to breaking point, we must surely be saying, enough is enough. And campaigning to our government, saying that that pitiful small number of refugees that David Cameron said we as a nation could accept, 20,000 over five years. It's just so minuscule when this weekend Germany is expecting double that number. 40,000 to enter the country. Are we great Britain? Are we a Christian country? We have a chance to demonstrate what that means. That we are followers, that we are the church, that we do have God's love in our heart. We have that opportunity by welcoming the stranger, whoever they are. By praying for the situation that they find themselves in and for the situation in the nation that they have left. We have the opportunity to be the church by giving all that we are able to. We long for the day of Christ's return. When sin will be seen to be no more. When the evil one will be seen to have been fully tied up in chains that cannot be broken by him. We believe in a strong man, the strongest man, the Son of God. May his triumph be known this day and each day. Amen.